0: Are you ready to start? Sure, let's go. Mike and I are sitting in the studio this morning, and we're just going to have a little confab about The Golden Bachelor. Now, I've had to really rein Mike in, bring him him in, and make him sit on the couch to watch these episodes.
1: (laughs) I would not. I mean, going back to how I feel about The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, I would not willingly sit and watch these. It's just (laughs) not my jam.
0: Well, neither would I. I mean, I don't like that kind of stuff either. And I am not. Let me just have a disclaimer on this whole thing. I am not part of Bachelor Nation. I didn't even know they had that, but I'm not part of it.
1: What is Bachelor Nation?
0: Uh, yeah, it's what they call themselves. This whole uh, franchise of *Bachelorette*, *The Bachelor*, and then all the other things that I don't even know.
1: The shows themselves, or, yeah. or the well, un, or think, the the unorganized fan club.
0: I don't know. I don't know what they're talking about exactly, okay. but um,
1: but you're not part of it. But I'm not part way. of it. <laughs> yes. Got so it. I'm
0: not. But I was so fascinated by this whole idea of the Golden Bachelor because it was so unique in that we don't see people of that age. In romantic situations. Real quick, what's the premise? Okay, yes. The premise is that um, this man, who is 72, from Indiana, whose name is Gary, but he spells it G-E-R-R-Y, which looks like Jerry. Yeah. Anyway, his name's Gary.
1: And he's been put in this house with 25 women that he's supposed to choose from among.
0: Yeah, ranging in age from 60 to 72.
1: Vying to be his... Right, fiance. Right.
0: Yeah. And then and within like two, three weeks, I think they shoot this thing. Um, He's supposed to figure out who he loves and who he's going to marry from this from this little stable of women. And like I say stable of women, because it does feel kind of like a horse show.
1: Can I guffaw (laughs) just a minute about the fact that this is known as a reality TV show? Yeah. (laughs) Ain't nothing real here.
0: So unreal. Um, And, you know, it is vapid in many, many ways. But I Coming from, like, a person who loves sociology, who wishes she had gotten a sociology degree, I find this fascinating. And that's why I want to talk about it.
1: In addition, there's this important dimension of it having to do with grandkids, which we will get to a little later.
0: That really um, not only piqued my interest, but got my ire up because I was like, whoa, wait a minute. What are we doing introducing grandchildren to this whole thing? So we will talk about that. I want to talk about the production and some of the overarching concepts within the show that they have stolen apparently from The Bachelor or it's, The Bachelorette. Yeah. Right? And so there's this mansion for any of you who haven't seen this and I don't know how you've avoided it, but um, there's this mansion that they all go to and, you know, it's It's not really a mansion. It's like a big house. But apparently there are bedrooms where... the
1: 14 women live there. Yeah,
0: they eat there and they they hang out and they swim and they do all this stuff. Anyway, what you see is that they are assigned into bedrooms. So there are four women in one bedroom and four, I'm assuming, four women in another, that kind of thing. But I'd never seen this, but apparently there are like two twin beds and a bunk bed in a room where they share a bathroom.
1: So one of the four women gets the top bunk.
0: Yeah, I just thought this was hilarious and I was thinking this is millennials at their best. They're producing this thing and they're or I don't know, maybe it's not millennials, but I'm kind of guessing it is. Yeah. They they're producing this without any thought as to how um, you know, a 60 to 75-year-old woman would function or not function, <laughs> if you want to put it that way. I mean, they started out with this drama because women couldn't um they, nobody wanted the top bunk. I mean, even when you're in camp and you're 14, you don't want the top bunk. But, you know, they were trying to decide who's going to have the top bunk because there were women there who would had knee replacements, women who said, if I don't get to go to the bathroom three times a night, I can't I can't function. And it was partly hilarious and partly like, are you serious that they didn't think about this when they were coming up with this?
1: But why would they? It's not a part of their their lived experience, probably. Right. It's, you know, and, well, and, and like you said, this whole show is a leverage off of things that have to do with people who are in their 20s and
0: 30s. Yeah, thinking they can just translate it from there to here. And and that's where I feel like ageism plays a part because they don't even recognize that there's something different.
1: What if they did this on purpose?
0: Yeah, maybe. What if, what if you, it did no, come it's... up
1: in the production meeting and they said, great, mm-hmm. let's
0: do it anyway. <laughs> Yeah, to increase the drama in this reality show.
1: There you go. Yeah, maybe air you're quotes. Right. Your air quotes right there are entirely appropriate.
0: <laughs> so anyway, there was this other part. Um, they have to do these activities together, which I guess they have these group dates, which on the Bachelor they do, and they have all sorts of group dates that they do for people who are younger. Now, the first group date was a pickleball, uh, or one of the group dates was a pickleball tournament, which. I think there are lots of people between 60 and 75 who are playing pickleball. Yeah. That was okay. And that worked. But then there was this other event where they all dressed up in, their, in these costumes of different eras, like the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, or the motorcycle people and, you know, different kinds of themes. So they had to go around on these costume racks and pick a costume and then they get their picture taken with Gary. And I thought, oh, my goodness, this is unbelievable.
1: It's kind of like a photo booth, isn't it?
0: Yeah, a little bit like a photo booth, but it was so dumb. And I was like, I would never do that. I don't understand how they would be okay with that. It just seemed silly, really silly. And they were they were all kind of trying to decide what to wear. And it was... But let me ask you a question about okay. that. Okay.
1: What about just the freedom that comes with being, being sort of youthful and not really worrying about the, just sort of spinning out and having fun?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, we don't get to do that. Maybe we don't choose to do it or maybe we don't feel like it's appropriate. But what if it were? What if we did? What if what if we had the freedom as people over 60 to cut loose like they are?
0: If that if you consider that cutting loose, I mean, I guess it depends on who the people are. And of course, these are people who are willing to, you know, splash their whole personal life in. In front of everyone. They are emotional
1: exhibitionists. You have to be to get onto this show. (laughs) So maybe that's the biggest difference between everyone else and these 15 people.
0: I think you might be right because there was like a talent show and they all had to do talents like they were in some kind of Miss America pageant. And it was kind of silly i mean many of these women didn't have anything to do you know i was thinking what kinds of things would i do if i were wanting to be on that of course i don't want to ever be on that kind of show but you know it would be fun to have like a book club where you all read a book and then talk about it then you find out more about these people
1: oh that is such (laughs) dreadful television man
0: (laughs) yeah i guess you're right it wouldn't work (laughs) I was just, you know, or or have a a really f- nice meal out and everybody talk about the food. <laughs> you know,
1: it's, who knows? I think it's likely that that did happen and that it ended up on the cutting room floor because Maybe. it is dreadful
0: television. <laughs> it is dreadful television. You know, sometimes I wonder what do people when they're older do when they sit at a restaurant? They don't talk about the food. They talk about their their illnesses and their falls and their... All sorts of things. I like, don't
1: know who to credit this to, but it's the it's brilliant. Somebody told me that's called an organ recital.
0: No, I told you that, and it was a book that I mentioned on the podcast. Why? Yeah, thank you. You forget. You, that's another thing we all do. I do <laughs> as we get older. But it's like, oh, another organ recital where we all talk about our inner organs. One of the other things was that the concept behind Golden Bachelor is that he dates all these women and he starts falling in love with more than one. As of this recording, it isn't finished yet, but the idea is that he's got three women or two women that he's totally in love with and, you know. Is he in love with them? That's one of the questions I have because he's he's using this show to tell people he loves these people, but he's not very, he, he doesn't strike me as someone who is really loving a person. He often says to these women, I love, like they'll say, what do you love about Teresa? And he'll say, I love the way she looks at me. Or what do you love about Susan? And he says, um, you know, it makes me feel, she makes me feel so good. And so I was kind of trolling around on Facebook and somebody had written this. It means he is in love with how he feels, not with you, and this is a rather self-centered attitude that will end up making you unhappy with him. Don't let insecurity make you willingly walk into this trap. Until we are secure within and content with who we are and how we live, we will not attract someone who we could create a happy, lasting relationship with. We attract selfish people, like this guy.
1: Oh. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well... I think he is kind of well I hate to say it because he seems like a nice guy but I think and I might get trapped into that too. But I think most psychologists would say if they're describing the relationship about a woman or a man depending on who you're talking about as how they make how that person makes you feel instead of the attributes of the person you're falling in love with then that's a that's a signal. That's like a warning sign. Don't don't go any further.
1: I I get you. And I don't disagree with you. But think about this. If your life were set up like a smorgasbord, where all you had to do was look across 14 different food items, and then decide one after the next, not this one, not that one, not the other one. That doesn't mean that the other 13 food items were bad. It just means that everything is built around what you decide you like. Everything's engineered to force you into being selfish. It's more about this, you know, reality show which really doesn't reflect reality. I mean, what else is he supposed to do?
0: No, I guess he could, you know, talk about the attributes of the woman he's falling in love with.
1: Okay, so you're talking about, you're talking about how he defends his decision. I yes. guess I'm talking about the decision itself. So I get your point. No.
0: No, no, I think it's it's the way he's coming at it
1: which sure.
0: worries me. I mean, I don't spend sleepless nights worrying about Gary, but I'm just saying
1: he's a very nice-looking guy, and I thank you for pointing that out.
0: <laughs> no, he's he's very nice, and he's and he seems like such a hero to these women. But I'm I'm thinking hmm, maybe they need to take a step back. So the other thing that is interesting, is that these women are being used, and and actually so is Gary, in reality, in this reality show, to entertain everybody and to, um, you know, they are creating, they, meaning the producers, are creating a narrative through what's being said. Now, I think we all need to think about the fact that during the SAG-AFTRA strike, there were no actors doing anything, but there were all these reality TV shows that were continuing. Ren, why is that?
1: The SAG After a strike was a sympathy strike connected to the Writers Guild strike, which started just right. before it. So all these TV uh, shows that stopped production, they did so because the writers, pr- first off, because there was no more writing happening. Well, the brilliant thing about reality TV shows is that they don't need writers. They need producers. They right. need people to think up putting some woman with double knee replacements on the top bunk. They don't need to write the lines that <laughs> right. say, I can't sleep up there.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So that's what happened. And this continues. They they use people in these reality shows. They use them as both the writers and the, you know, the fodder for everybody to watch. And people seem to be thrilled about it because the reality TV show uh, ratings are pretty good. And I think that's a very concerning thing. Like, we should be concerned. In fact, we have a daughter who knew someone secondhand who'd been on The Bachelor. And um she was confiding in our daughter about how her character had been maligned through the way that the producers chose to take lines from what she was saying and then, you know, paste them together somehow in the editing room to make her look like a horrible person. And she was crying and saying, I'm not a horrible person. It's taken completely out of context.
1: The world, however, knows her as kind of a horrible person. Yeah,
0: and she has to live with that. These people who are uh, have agreed to be on these shows, they can be victims of crafty editing. And it's very concerning to me that when you're bringing children in to this reality show, grandchildren and children, this is a concern for me. Like how they they, they seem innocent in so many ways. And then I noticed on the, this Golden Bachelor, they didn't use a lot of what the children said But they did use some of it, and I thought it was very inappropriate. The next thing I want to talk about that makes sense logically is to talk about how these women were brokenhearted. Like, there were many of them who had kind of thrown themselves into these relationships and felt very betrayed in some ways because Gary told them that he loved them. And then they would say things like they were devastated and they were, you know, so upset. And some of the words they used, they said they were devastated. They were, it was gut-wrenching. They felt shattered. They. It was too sudden for all of them and they felt safe and then they felt unsafe. And, And these women were, you know riding away in these limousines crying and feeling tearful about what had happened to them because they thought Gary was the one and they thought he thought they they were the one and and, and I was watching this and you know these are women in their you know 70s that they they still had that like hope that hope that maybe they would be the one
1: and a tenderness that allowed them to have the hope and that was all scarred up
0: yeah again which in their lives many of them had been through that many of them had been widowed and um, left alone and here they are again having to deal with this whole thing even Gary was saying a couple times he couldn't decide because he was he was tortured he felt like this was the worst decision he'd ever have to make since his wife died you know the the feelings that he had were so horrible So this gut-wrenching thing that was happening to the adults, the next thing that happened was that the last three contestants invited Gary into their homes for home visits, which I guess they do on The Bachelor where they all go and visit the parents, but this time they're visiting the children and the grandchildren. And this is where I get very upset because (laughs) the children of these women we're saying things like, I don't want you to break my mom's heart. And I, I feel really bad about this. And, you know, there's this ripple effect that can happen to all the family members. And we just don't want this to happen to our mother. So do you love her? Do you love my mom? And he three times told separate families that he loved this woman and they were all filled with his hope and excitement and everything so
1: three times to three different families he says yes i love your mother yes yeah
0: which you know raises the bar makes you feel hopeful so that's where i want to kind of talk about the grandchildren because because it
1: didn't stop with the, the adult children. It didn't children. stop
0: with the adult children. And what's so sad to me is, you know, they were touting this, you know, the adults were touting how this is so wonderful to give hope to people who've had really hard lives and have felt hopeless. So these grandchildren who have experienced the loss of a grandfather or the divorce of their grandmother, they now have this opportunity to think about this guy, Gary, as being their grandfather. And in fact, he pumps them with this idea, saying things like, you want to be my best man at the wedding? Or do you think we'd, you know, you think we'd make a good couple? And these little kids who most of them were about, you know, four to eight, years old oh my
1: gosh
0: yeah are saying things like well i i hope so i think it's you know i think that my grandma really loves you i think my grandma wants to be with you um and you know i think yes i would love to be your little best man and that is where it just broke my heart These kids don't have the life experience. They can't look at life and say, well, maybe next time. They just look at life and think, he's going to be my grandpa.
1: They're not into the nuance and the complexity of relationships, or uh, and they shouldn't be victims of producers' whims.
0: Exactly. And my point is, if these women are devastated and shattered and gut wrenched, how do you think that these grandchildren are going to feel when they find out that their grandma wasn't picked? I mean, they're not just going to, I just don't think that you can just assume that they're going to go off and be like, oh, well, he's not my grandpa. This is, this is. I mean, psychologists will tell you, do not introduce someone to your family who you're going to marry, if especially your children, to someone you're going to marry if it's not going to happen. You should be 100% sure that this is a person you're going to marry before introducing your children, your grandchildren to them.
1: And at best, it's 33% sure for these women.
0: But one of them's thirty four percent
1: right oh well that changes everything
0: <laughs> well, Touché. somebody Touché. Gets, somebody gets picked at the end of this whole thing so anyway I know that it sounds like I'm totally invested in this show and um should I admit that it has kind of taken me you know by the throat it makes me want to watch it because I do want to see what happens but it also makes me kind of mad and tearful and I just I I just don't understand how this could have happened that we would be in this situation where we're watching this happen.
1: It is a surprise that the producers having people sign over their uh right to emotional privacy. You think those kids signed anything?
0: No. My feelings are just towards the children and the grandchildren and how this might affect them and how it feels to them and I guess You know, looking back on it, I think these producers really need to take some things away from this first learning experience with The Golden Bachelor. They say they're going to do The Golden Bachelorette. So I think that's (laughs) in the works somehow. There was one woman who ended up leaving early because she had a daughter who had had a baby 15 days before the shooting of this. And so she had to go back and help her daughter who was dealing with postpartum depression. Her name was Joan. And I think, well, yeah, I think Joan's going to be back as the golden bachelorette. We'll see. I don't know.
1: Are you going to be as uh, committed to watching Joan the Golden Bachelorette?
0: (laughs) You know, I don't think so. I think that I've kind of had my fill, although I would like to see if they change some things about the bunk beds. And the other thing that they complained about was um, having to stand for hours during shooting for uh, the rose ceremony.
1: It's kind of like a party. You have to stand almost in formation uh, in, in a greeting line, right?
0: No, they don't stand in a line. They stand kind of like a choir and they, they stand there, you know, in formation waiting for him to decide whether he's going to give them a rose or not. So it's not actually a party. You're but right. that's okay. OK. I forgive you because I know that you had a hard time watching this whole thing and you kept getting up for peanuts and a drink because it was just like too much.
1: <laughs> Guilty as that's charged. A, that's OK. I needed but... something to knock the edge off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but there there were women, you know, um, apparently complaining that they had to stand in heels. And, you know, by the way, these women do not get paid money to do this. They have to, you know, quit their jobs. They have to they come to this thing. They sometimes lose their jobs. And they also have uh, to buy all their gowns and their clothes and all the things that they're going to wear to impress everyone. So it's not uh, it's not a great situation for them. But apparently many of them feel like they have more hope and they're going to be able to find somebody let's just hope that they don't introduce all their grandchildren to every guy they date in the next five years um, and say they might be the one that they're gonna that's going to be their grandpa
1: i bet the lesson learned from this by these 14 women is not going to ever do that
0: yeah i agree and they shouldn't and that's a good lesson learned So that's our take on The Golden Bachelor. Please don't feel like you have to go back and watch it all <laughs> or anything. And also
1: don't feel like you have to give it up if you're already yeah, exactly. watching it. Yeah, exactly.
0: It's okay. If you like that, it's okay.
1: We were pretty harsh on it. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we have our opinions. And
0: Yeah. I just wanted to talk about it in terms of I was just a little bit um, wound up about the whole thing. And I thought, what better place to um, unwind than to talk to our listeners <laughs> On the grand life.
1: Particularly where the grandchildren are impacted. Yeah. If you are truly an intentional grandparent, you're probably not going to follow the model depicted on Golden Bachelor.
0: Exactly. Enough said. Yeah. In the meantime, I'm Emily Morgan. And
1: I'm Mike Morgan. And
0: thanks for joining us in Living the Grand Life.